you are uh, joining us partway through a series we're doing, I'm starting my timer, uh, on spiritual gifts. And um, as, I was, as I was preparing for this, I was just reminded of um, something that happened to a lady that came to visit us at our Soul Survivor Festivals a few years ago. Her name was Anne. And uh, she's from South Africa. She uh, works at the, the Live Village, Children's Village, that we've got a, a great friendship with um, just outside Durban in South Africa. And she, she um, was going blind. And she had uh, met with doctors in South Africa and they'd been told basically there was nothing further that they could do for her, that her eyesight, which had already deteriorated a lot, um, was, was, was that was it really. It was on the way out and there was nothing they could do. And so she came over to Moorfields Eye Hospital here in the UK to, to see a specialist and to meet with them about their eyes, her eyesight. And unfortunately, they, they told her that um, there, were, there was nothing they could do. Um, and anyway, just before she returned to South Africa, she came to visit the conference um, where we had a whole bunch of young people there and we were meeting with Jesus. And she came down for two days. And um, some, some young people were, happened to be in a seminar and they heard about her situation and so they prayed for her. And although she wasn't, her eyesight was not restored 100%, her eyesight dramatically uh, improved when they, they prayed for her. And um, she, before they prayed, she couldn't see color. Afterwards, she could. Uh, she hadn't been able to walk unaided upstairs um, and uh, she was able to do that and she returned to South Africa and I haven't heard the latest because I've been in touch for a long time but I know that six months after um, she had been prayed for those improvements were still there the reversals that she had told were never going to happen had happened and um, her eyesight hadn't deteriorated um, one of the things about that, that story that slightly bothers me is that uh, it was a bunch of young people who knew no better, who went over and prayed for her. And I've been going to Soul Survivor for I don't know how many years. I have been trained for five years by the Anglican Church. And I can tell you, I've never prayed for anybody and seen that happen. Um, and uh, actually, it doesn't bother me. I love it because that's what it's meant to be. They, they just had a faith and they had an expectation that God was going to move. And so they went for it. And there is, a, there is something wonderful about being around um, people who are just getting to know Jesus perhaps for the first time, where they have this high expectation that he's going to move. And I just wonder if for some of us, maybe it's, it's only me, but as, we, as we've been following him for a little while, we can end up making excuses as to why God's not going to move or, or, or why he's not going to happen through us. And so today, I want to come back to this ministry of healing and praying for healing and kind of reflect on why as a church we want to practice this as a church family. And uh, in a nutshell, the reason is because we want to be like Jesus. And when Jesus comes, he comes not simply with a message of words, but, but think of the arrival of Jesus more like an invasion. He invades our world with his kingdom. And he brings with him a message of hope and a message of life but he also, he, he, he doesn't just testify to the kingdom of heaven with his words, but also with his actions. And so wherever he goes, it's like the kingdom of the Father, the kingdom of wholeness is breaking through into the present. And so people who are lame begin to walk. And people who are blind have their sight given to them. Uh, people who, uh, who have leprosy find themselves healed. People who are dead come back to life again. And if you've been at church for a little while, 
some of those stories will be familiar. I would suggest, um, I know it's true for me, too familiar, to the point where I just read them. I do a little Bible study, oh, there's Jesus eating another blind person. And it's like the wonder of it, the shock of it, the, the surprise of it, I miss that. And, and, and yet, just to, to stop and to think, somebody was born blind they'd never seen in their life until they heard the voice of Jesus say, see, and the first thing they saw was his face. Someone got leprosy and uh, became, not just had a horrific disease, but became an outcast because of the cultural associations with that disease, and no one would go near them until Jesus literally placed his hand on them and said, be clean. And then suddenly what happens is their disease disappears, and so too does the shame. There's a woman who's, who's at her f a funeral for her son, her only son, and they're weeping and crying as they leave the town where, he, you know, where they're taking him to be buried until Jesus interrupts the funeral and brings him back to life again, and he literally turns it from a funeral to a party. This is what he's doing as, as he walks around. And uh, his ministry is what we're invited to share in, certainly this aspect of it. And this is why he sent his first disciples off to carry out the ministry of healing. And so he says, this is in Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. And then it says, just a few verses later, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. So he sends us out to proclaim his kingdom with our words and with our deeds. And part of that involves praying for people to be healed. Now one of the, one of the first questions that, that rises up in me whenever we think about this subject of, of healing, this ministry that we're invited to share in, is, um, well, if that's the case, why is it that we pray for people and they sometimes don't get healed? For most of us, that is not an academic question. That's a question that comes from pain and from people that we've lost. And as a church family, we have, we have prayed for people uh, in recent years who we love dearly and they have died. The prayers have not been answered in the way that we were hoping they would be. And there's a tremendous um, pain that comes from that. For, for, for some of us here, I know we are continuing to fight in prayer for people that we love that are fighting illnesses, but it feels like we are losing the fight and we're losing the battle and we're hanging in there. But again, it, it, it's hard sometimes when that's when we're coming from that place not to hear a talk about prayer and feel um, hurt or angry or frustrated or confused. And what do we do about that? Um, how, how do we understand that? Um, I, I don't think there is a simple answer. And with this question of why are sometimes people not healed when we pray for healing, if you ask me the question, why is so-and-so not healed and I pray for their healing, my answer to you is I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I, I understand the context of the time that we're living in as Jesus' followers, and the context is his kingdom has come it has arrived, it has broken into this world. He has won the victory against sin, sickness, and Satan decisively through the cross and resurrection. That has happened. And we live in that victory. But 
we also see that he talks about his, his return and he is coming back. We should spend some time thinking about that one day as a church. But he's coming back and when he comes back, he's gonna bring his wholeness and his healing and he's gonna consummate the kingdom, as it were, make, make it fulfilled and we live in the time in between that. That's, that's how we understand where we are as his followers. And I think about it a bit like um, World War II and the way World War II finished. What happened is the Allies on D-Day, they invaded mainland Europe, they made a beachhead, and effectively, if you study the history of it, from that point on, World War II was won, by and large. From that point on, it was only going to go one way. But between D-Day and Victory in Europe Day, VE Day, it was about 11 months. And in those 11 months in between, there were an awful lot of casualties. The battle, the war, was effectively won, but there was a, there was a lot of, bi- of fighting that happened in between those two dates. I think of it like that. D-Day has happened. He, ha- he has defeated death and he's defeated Satan. And we live in that. It's only going one way. But VE Day, his final return, has not yet happened. And so we live in this time in between where the kingdom is both now and it's not yet. And in that context, we as his people have to decide how we are going to live. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to join with him in his ministry of advancing the kingdom. And what we will find, and we find this in all aspects of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, don't we? What we will find is we will share the gospel, and sometimes people come to know Jesus, and their lives are transformed, and sometimes they don't. And we still share the gospel. And and we will fight and confront injustice where we find it, and we will win some of those fights, and we will probably lose some of those fights. And what we're going to do as we do that is we're going to continue to fight and confront it. We will feed the poor and we will stand with those who have nothing. And what we'll, what we'll find as we do that as a church is that we will, we will change people's lives. And yet we will also find that until Jesus returns, there will always be people who are poor and there will always be more needs than we can ever satisfy. And in the same way, we are going to pray for people to be healed. And sometimes people will be healed and other times it won't happen in the way that we want it to happen. But then the question is, what then do we decide to do? And I remember somebody said once to me, when I pray for healing, some people get healed. When I don't pray for healing, nobody gets healed. And I feel like I want to be a a person in the camp where it's like, this is what he calls us to, so we're going to go for it. And if we're on the same page on that one, there are some ways of praying that I think are present in the history of the church and sometimes in certain parts of the church today that aren't always helpful and that can mean people end up getting unnecessarily hurt when they, when they want prayer for healing. And so as a family, as a church family here, we have some kind of key values that we want to hold close whenever we're praying for somebody to be healed. So I just want to chat through a few of those values. Um, we are going to pray for, some, for, for healing this morning. Uh, anyone who wants to is going to pray. So here's here's a few values. The first one is this. When we pray for healing, we want to value the cross of Jesus. And what we mean by that is, is first of all, the ultimate healing is to come to know him as a Lord and Savior. You know, the ultimate transformation from death to life, from blindness to sight, from lost to found, is coming into relationship with him. That's the ultimate healing. But also... That affects us really practically when we're praying for somebody to be healed because, um, let me put it like this, I don't know if you've ever prayed for anyone to be healed and prayed something like this, Lord Jesus, 
please heal Laura because Laura is wonderful. Laura is super nice. She baked me a cake last week. If anybody has ever deserved healing in this world, it is Laura because she's so lovely. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? And the problem with that sort of prayer is that for every Laura you pray for, there will be, to pick a name at random, a Mike. And you pray for the mic, and you can't stand on that ground. You can't say some of those things because they're not always very nice. And sometimes they publicly humiliate people that they work with. Um, and so that's not the grounds for it, nor is our own merit the grounds for confidence when we come for healing. The grounds of confidence is not how good we are or how good they are, it's how good he is. It's by his wounds on the cross we are healed. It's not by our achievements we're healed. It's not by our merits we earn it. It's by his wounds we receive healing as a gift. So we stand there and therein is our confidence. Here's the second thing that we value when we pray for someone to be healed. We value the Bible as the word of God, as the ultimate authority for everything that we believe and everything that we do. And so for us, the first question that we're to ask as a family um, when we hear about um, healing is not, does it work? The first question is, is it biblical? Because there are some really strange things that you might pick up um, that people are doing in different places and they're seeing people healed. And we can get, I know I can sometimes, enamored with those strange things as though they're some kind of special technique. And we, if we can just bring the technique, then we'll see people healed. And it's like, no, the first question is not, is, it's not um, does it work? It's, is it biblical? And I've read loads of stories of Christians over the years who've seen God do amazing things I would suggest despite the weird things that they do rather than because of the weird things that they do. So I don't know if you've ever come across a guy called Smith Wigglesworth, but uh, he was around back in the day and he, he, he um, became a follower of Jesus and he had this amazing ministry of healing where he would see people healed of all sorts of horrendous things. But uh, he's also a little bit wacky. And so one of the stories about Smith is that he was praying for somebody's stomach cancer once and he actually punched them. He punched them in the stomach. Now what's particularly strange about this story is the person was healed of the cancer. But I'm gonna put it to you, that was despite being punched rather than because of the fact that they got punched. So we can, we can hear a story and we can think, oh my word, Smith Wigglesworth, he punched people. That gives us a whole new layer of meaning to the laying on of hands. And there are some people I would like to pray for in that way. And so we can adopt that as a technique. That's how it's done. That's how Smith done it. You know, no, no, no. Let's first of all ask, is it biblical? And when we come to look at Jesus and his practice in the Gospels, you know, he's not teaching techniques in that way. He prays for different people in different ways, even if they've got a similar condition. But what we do see is a principle in Jesus, and the principle is kindness. He's kind. And so that would rule out things like hitting them. So that's another thing that we value. Is it biblical? Here's a third thing that we, we hold close whenever we're praying for somebody to be healed. We value the lead of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, we'll pray for anyone who comes, just as Jesus did. He, he never turned anybody away who came to him for prayer, for healing. But, uh, but at the same time, as well as that, we also want to be attentive to what is God saying to us. And Mike talked a bit about this last week when he was talking about listening to the voice of God. And he referenced a time when Jesus in John chapter 5 goes to the pool of Bethesda 
And there's a whole load of sick people lying around this pool, and he goes up to one individual amongst many, and he heals that one individual. And then later on, in explaining his actions, he says in John chapter 5, verse 19, I only do what I see my father doing. And so it's like he went to the pool and he's, his, he had his antennae up, if I can put it like that, listening, trying to discern, what, is, what are you saying, Father? Where are you moving? And we want to do that as well. It's about finding out what God is doing and, and joining in with what he's already up to. And we can do that here in church. We can do that when we're out and about, doing our, doing our whatever it is we do, nine to five. We, we can do that in an ongoing way. So I'm praying often, frequently, for my son, one of my boys you may well know has a, has a health condition, genetic disorder, which has a, a lot of implications. And I'm praying for him, the big prayer, heal him. Heal him of this condition. But also, what I'm trying to do, and I don't do it very well some days, um, but what I'm trying to do is, is ask the Holy Spirit to guide my prayers. And so I felt like he said to me, um, maybe about two months ago now, to pray for Caleb as he started at nursery. Um, and just he gave me a picture of being like a snowplow going ahead of him, you know, just clearing the path, and specifically to pray that he wouldn't, um, he wouldn't have to have lots of time off school because his immunity is lower than an average kid, so he does get hit quite hard when he gets sick, and I just didn't want him to be going to school and then not being able to be there. So I've been praying regularly and specifically for when he starts school that he wouldn't have to have loads of time off. And now he has picked up coughs and he has picked up colds, but he's done pretty well so far. And so, and so it's listening to the Holy Spirit. What are you saying about how I can be praying into this? And here's, here's the fourth value. When we're praying for somebody to be, to be healed, and this is true when we're praying for anybody, for anything, we, we value the dignity of that person. This is, this is his child. This is who he gave his life for. And so we want to love them. We want to love them. We don't want to put things on them that we don't know for sure, but it's just our opinion about stuff. We, we, just want to, we just want to bless them. And so that's a priority for us. And honestly, if we have these things as the way that we do things around here when we're praying for people, we, we cannot lose. Because, because what will happen is somebody comes forward, let's say for prayer for healing, um, and, and you know, we pray for them. Well, at best what happens is they leave healed and knowing that they've been loved. And at worst, what happens, here's the worst thing that could happen if we do this, at worst what happens is they just leave knowing they've been loved. And that's not too bad, is it? So that's how we want to do it. And um, uh, I, am, I am longing for more in this because we do see God do stuff and we've seen wonderful things and I've got precious memories of, of times where people have been healed. Usually it's when teenagers are praying for them rather than when I'm doing it. But you know, some of my favorite memories from some from Soul Survivor festivals, I remember there's this one year this lad came up to me and he was in, on crutches and a, um, had a plaster cast on his, on his foot and he had um, broken his his ankle skateboarding just a couple of days earlier in the skate park that we have at the, at the festival. So he'd been taken to hospital, had an x-ray, told him it was broken, they put him in a cast. And then uh, he came up after we'd been praying for healing, just praying for one another, and um, he said, I've been healed, my leg has been healed. And I, I responded with a huge amount of faith, where I said, I'm sure it has, but go and see a doctor before you take the cast off just to be sure, because I don't want you to damage your leg. 
Anyway, he completely ignored my advice and uh, came back later that night having taken his cast off, literally jumping around, hopping up and down on the leg that was broken just, uh, just a couple of days before that. And I remember another one where uh, this young person came up to me, young lady, and she, she, um, she told me her, her condition was that her jaw, for two years, something had happened with her jaw that meant she couldn't really open it more than just a centimeter or so. Couldn't really open her mouth very wide. She had multiple operations on her jaw in order to make that happen, and she was due to have another one in the next sort of two months. And she said, God's healed me, and she was opening her mouth really, really wide. And, and I was just like, that's amazing. I love that. And then uh, later the day, that night, she came back with her mum, and the two of them were just so excited that this had happened, and they just wanted to show me a photo of the first thing that she did after God healed her jaw. She went and had a burger because she wanted to have like a massive bite, you know, a huge bite. So they had a photo of her taking this enormous bite of this burger, and the two of them were just in tears that God had met with them. And so we see that sort of stuff happen, and we long for more of it. We long for more of it. And do you think that's not his will? Look at Jesus' motivation when he prays for healing. It's compassion. Time and time and time again, he meets people whose lives have been destroyed by disease, and his response is compassion. And the point is not that we tweet about it. Stuff that. It's not that we put it on social media and we tell everybody, although it's good to share stories. It can be encouraging, but that's 100% not the point. The point is them and their lives getting destroyed by a disease. And the God of wholeness and the Lord of life, who gives us his only son, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He longs for this too. So when we do this, we're pushing on an open door. And as a church, uh, we're going to continue to press into it. We're going to pray in just a minute. I'm going to stop talking. And uh, anyone who would like to be prayed for, if you have a physical condition um, and you'd like prayer, we're going to pray for you in a moment for God to meet you and heal you. Um, just a few tips, and the re we're all going to do the praying. There's no professionals. Uh, you know, we haven't got them. So we're going to do it as a family, as it should be. But here's a few tips, okay? So if you've never prayed for anyone for healing before, I'm going to invite you to come and do it in a second. But here's a few things that are helpful just to have at the back of your mind as you're praying for somebody to be healed. The first one is um, where our responsibility starts and where it finishes, now, sometimes when I've gone to pray for somebody, I got it into my head. I don't know how I do this, but I get it into my head that somehow it's my responsibility to heal them. That's not our responsibility. I cannot heal a headache or a cold. So we're stuffed if we think that's what it is. Our responsibility is not to heal them. It's to bring that request to God. It's just to st we can't heal anybody. So it's just to, it's to stand with them and to ask. The way that Mike has often described it is it's a bit like we are waiters and waitresses in a restaurant. You know, we come and we say, what would you like? What, what is your order? And they say, I have a bad left knee. And we write that down, bad left knee. And we say, how would you like that done? Rare, medium, or well done? They say, well done, please. We say, okay, we'll take that to the chef. And we take it to the chef. Now, only the chef can make the order up. We can't do that. So the pressure's off. You don't need to heal anybody. All we do is we stand with them and we cry out to God on their behalf. And we bring it to him. And then his responsibility is the hard part, which is the healing bit. So, so let's be clear about what our responsibility is when we come to pray for somebody. All right, somebody turns up. You're praying for them. Um, really simple. It's helpful to know what you're praying for. So maybe just ask them what their name is and where it hurts. 
You don't need or probably want a long medical history. Um, we're not doctors. We just want to know what we're praying for so that we can maybe put a hand, if it's appropriate, on the thing, whatever it is we're praying for, and just, just invite God to come. So where does it hurt? That's the next thing we do. Then, once we start to pray, we want to be listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to his lead. And, uh, and just kind of like, again, just having, having our hearts, our minds open to anything he might want to say. And when we pray for healing, there's a couple of things that can help. One is sometimes it's really helpful to speak to the condition, whatever the condition is. So Jesus did this. He said, see, hear, walk. Um, Peter does the same thing. Acts chapter 3, he sees a guy that's lame and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have in the name of Jesus I give you, get up and walk. And this guy gets up and starts jumping around. So sometimes it's helpful to speak to the condition. Now again, when we're doing this, it's really important to understand what our um, authority is, where it comes from. Because I don't know about you, but I try speaking to things and nothing happens. Even my own children ignore me. So I feel like, how am I going to be able to speak to this disease? Um, but, but it's like, we have his authority. We have his authority. So when the ambassador to, you know, to the UK from America walks into number 10, he comes there not because he's got authority, but because it's been given to him by the president. So he stands there with the authority of the president. Wow, that's impressive. We, as the children of God, have the authority that is given to us by the King of Kings. And so we speak in the name, not of the president of the United, not merely the president of the United States of America. We speak in the authority of the King of Kings. And, and knowing that authority is so important for us having confidence in what he's called us to do. If you were to walk onto the M25 and try and stop the traffic and just go like this, you would die. But if you put on a police uniform and you walk out into the M25 and try and stop the traffic, hopefully, if they see you in time, they will stop. And the reason for that is not because you've changed, you're just puny little you, but because you've got the uniform on and that gives you the authority. We have his authority, he gives it to us. We have his power, is given to us by him. So sometimes it's helpful as you're praying to speak to the condition. And another thing, and when you're praying for somebody, particularly if you're praying for a non-Christian, perhaps at the office or on a bus or something like that, sometimes you just want to do it quick because they don't hang around. They'll get fidgety. So you can just pray really quickly and just speak healing and then in Jesus' name and leave it at that. But in this context, where we've got time, we want to make space and it's very intentional to, to soak, as it were, in the presence of God. And to just wait on the Holy Spirit and to, to not feel like we need to rush that. And so again, when you're praying for somebody, invite the Spirit of God and then just wait. And as we're waiting, we're just listening. What, what are you saying, Father? It's helpful to have your eyes open because you can watch them um, and, and just see if anything's going on. And people meet God in different ways. Sometimes they, they cry. Sometimes they just stand there. Sometimes people laugh. Sometimes they're overwhelmed by God and they just want to have a lie down. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. People get very hung up on that sort of thing. It doesn't matter. What matters is the Holy Spirit is there and he's meeting them. And so we just let him and we ask as we're doing that, is there anything you want to do now, Lord? Anything I can pray into? Um, then, I'm nearly there, when we've been doing it for a little while, we just check in with them. How's it going? Are you sensing anything? And, uh, and we can just be real about that. We don't need to pretend. 
you know, if they say no, then we just say, oh, okay. If they say, actually, I feel a lot worse since I came up here and you prayed for me, then we try not to be discouraged. And we just say, let's keep going. You know, let's, let's wait some more. Let's pray. Let's persist. Jesus tells us that's an important thing in prayer. So let's just persist and ask again. And, uh, you know, and then when we see where we go, and then when they've, they've had enough, then that's, that's fine. You say, okay, we keep praying. Now, what they may say is, I- I'm sensing something. There's nothing to do with what you're praying for. I'm sensing this, I'm sensing that. Well, they, and we can pray into that. What they may say is, my pain has reduced, but it's still there. Okay, pray again, pray some more. They may say, I'm healed. But we, we, we check in and just see how they're going, and then we just take a little while. And then finally, when they go, um, what we do, and this is so important, we just make sure they know they've been loved. We make sure they know they've been loved. As a church, as with any church, any gathering of his people, he calls us on an adventure that is beyond ourselves. Do you want to live a Christian life in your own strength? Gosh, how dull would that be? This is beyond any of us. And yet, it's available, and all of us are invited to partner with him in his ministry. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. And I want to see this happen more. And we want to see it happen, not so that we can shout about it publicly on social media, but so that people's lives are changed. It's compassion for them. That's why we do it.